Mixed messages from central bank speakers in the US, but the tone from them generally and, and in many parts of the world is more hawkish, yet bond yields are heading down. So who do we believe, the markets or the central bankers? Well, one central bank speaker has drawn more attention than the rest. We'll see who that is today. Plus, the week starts to get interesting, starting today with the RBNZ. OK, that's not interesting because they'll probably stay on hold, but Australian CPI and European inflation starts trickling through as well. It is starting to get busy. It's Wednesday, the 29th of November, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, another 0.4% fall in the US dollar this morning. It's now at 102.8 on the DXY index. The start of the month was at 106.9. So that's a 4% drop in the month. The Aussie now firmly above 66 US cents, actually more like 66.5, rising 0.6% today. The pound is also up half percent. The euro is up 0.3%. The Japanese yen up 0.8%. And stocks are on the rise in the US today. Not a great deal, though. Quarter percent higher for the Dow and the Nasdaq. 0.1% for the S&P. All of those at close. A bit mixed up in Europe. The Eurostoxx 50 is down 0.2%. Same for the CAC 40. The FTSE 100 marginally down, but the DAX has climbed 0.2%. And bond yields ever lower. US 10-year yields down to 4.33%. Of course, it was only the middle of last month that they were touching 5%, but down 5 basis points today. Much of Europe is down 5 basis points as well, including Germany and France. Aussie 10-year yields were down 7 yesterday to 4.49%, down a few more on futures overnight. And big moves up in oil, 2% higher for WTI and Brent. They were both a bit higher than that earlier. Back over 82 a barrel for much of the session for Brent, but dipping below that now. So let's get the lay of the land uh, with NAB's Tapas Strickland in Sydney. I think just very briefly, we've got a lot to talk about, but let's just touch on uh, stuff close to home, first of all, with Aussie retail sales for October, weaker than expected. Although, as we said yesterday, NAB expected it to be weak. Actually, NAB expected it to be even softer than it was. So actually, for as far as NAB was concerned, it was a bit of an upside surprise. But it's hard to make much sense out of these numbers now, isn't it? Because Black Friday sales just basically stuff it all up, don't they? Good morning, Phil. Yes, that Australian retail sales number was, you could say, not as soft as what Nabbit feared, at least. And to us, it suggests ongoing consumer resilience. And just to give the headline, retail sales did fall 0.2% month on month, and Nabbit penciled in negative 0.4%. Um, as you noted, the shifting seasons due to November's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, likely drove that result. Indeed, that's what the statistician uh, pointed towards. And I think what we'll really have to do is really average the reads we get for October, November, and December, just to really get a gauge of the underlying pulse of retail sales. Um, I don't think you can really read too much more into this. I don't think it will figure into the RBA's uh, December meeting whatsoever. No. Well, we've got Michelle Bullock in Hong Kong repeating her piece that inflation is now a domestic concern. We need to be careful, she said. Uh, she wasn't getting any hints about next week, but we sort of are not expecting anything, are we? Uh, it'll be February uh, if it happens at all. Uh, but could we get by without it is the question, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, Governor Bullock's remarks were pretty interesting. And I thought it was actually quite um, funny that uh, um, the former governor, Governor Lowe, was in, in the audience at the same event as well. And he made some remarks as well. So maybe we'll cover off on that. But in terms of what Bullock said, um, she, she said we're in a period that we need to be careful, but all looks rather good from a financial stability perspective. Continue to note a lot of the inflationary pressures that Australia is seeing is domestically generated, uh, but did shed a little bit of light in terms of she thinks most of that is driven by higher input costs. Um, so if you do get input cost inflation coming back down, then maybe you get more stability starting to emerge on the services side there. And the other interesting comment, and it follows a 
question that I asked uh, Governor Bullock at her recent address to the Australian Business Economist last week. It was really about the 2 to 3% inflation target and exactly what the RBA was, was, was targeting. Because the RBA has been communicating that they're trying to get inflation back down towards about 3% by the end of 2023, some people had been thinking the RBA inflation target had been changing to a 3% cap. Um, but Bullock did note more explicitly that the RBA's target is the midpoint of the 2 to 3% ban. So in that context, um, it's hard to see the RBA aggressively cutting rates uh, any, anytime soon, just given that only expect inflation to get back to the very top of that 2 to 3% ban by the end of 2025. And I think it plays to the view that the RBA probably isn't done yet here. Uh, NAB continues to see the RBA lifting rates in February and uh, we recently pushed out that kind of cutting profile um, until it starts into, I think, uh, late November next year. Right. So, meanwhile, not long after that, perhaps the Fed is going to be cutting rates. We'll see. I mean, Christopher Waller, uh, who's normally fairly hawkish, said their policy is in the right place now to bring inflation down. So that sounds like no more hikes. Although Michelle Bowman uh, says she thinks they've got another rise in them. She said, my baseline economic outlook continues to expect that we will need to increase the federal funds rate further to keep policy sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to 2%, blah, 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 blah. So who's right and who's wrong on this? Uh, very different opinions, isn't it? The market seems to be listening to Waller more than to than to, to Michelle Bowman. That's definitely in I think you always have to be uh, very watchful for when Fed officials do a road to Damascus conversion on the need for <laughs> hikes. And that's definitely what Waller has said. He said he's increasingly confident that policy is currently well positioned to slow the economy and get inflation back to 2%. And importantly, just given the trajectory for inflation, he did respond in Q&A that if inflation continues to cool for several months, I don't know how long that might be, three months, four months, five months, that we feel confident that inflation is really down and on its way they could then start lowering the policy rate just because inflation is lower. Now, I think that is very, very key. Um, it does suggest that as long as inflation is heading back to 2%, the Fed can ease up on the degree of policy restriction, even though you haven't seen a meaningful deterioration in the labor market or a meaningful deterioration in economic activity. It's inflation alone that can cause r rate cuts. And I think that has been a little bit lost. It was first broached by... Fed Chair Powell back in July in the July FOMC meeting when he said you'd cut, oh sorry, you would stop hiking long before you got to 2% and you'd cut before you got to, to 2%. So I think the Fed is starting to go into that more, more territory. And just given that uh, Governor Waller did cite the three, four, five months time. Yeah, I really have to think coming into next year, uh, we could be in the possibility that the Fed is contemplating rate cuts as early as the March meeting. Um, I was just looking at market pricing then and Fed funds futures are now giving about 100 basis points worth of cuts in 2024 with a first fully priced by June. And that's up from about 92 basis points worth of cuts yesterday. So markets did react to that. And you did see the two-year rate, um, oh, sorry, the two-year yield fall quite sharply down by about 12 basis points on, on the day to four points. 76%. And uh, a JP Morgan uh, survey of Treasury clients has shown that they are more bullish than ever in the entire history of the survey. Oh, in, in, indeed. And although they're quite bullish, we just did have a 70 auction and it was a relatively poor auction result. So it does suggest there is some hesitancy amongst buyers, at least new buyers at this level of yields. So I think that's something to be watchful. The auction itself tailed by 2.1% 
basis points. And so it, it does suggest maybe um, supply is a little, bit of an, a little bit of an issue. So it's not quite clear exactly where the longer end goes here, but at least at the short end of the curve, uh, which is more following the uh, Fed, Fed funds rate, um, that, that has moved quite quite sharply. And I just wanted to highlight some of uh, research that NAP has recently been doing. We recently uh, published a macro thematic publication um, that replicated some of the Taylor rules that the US Fed had been referencing just in light of the lower run of inflation prints that we have seen. And we do get some inflation data for the US and for Europe later this week. And our conclusion was the recent run of inflation data would be consistent with a Fed funds rate that is about 75 to 125 basis points lower than it is at current level. So I think that's quite, quite interesting. It plays into the kind of Governor Waller uh, point of view that he made today. And if any clients listening uh, would like a copy of that publication, just uh, let me know. Right. And if you're not a client of NAB, become one and then you can get it. Well, we can do that in a day, can't we? Sign you up in a day, I would have thought. Uh, this is very different to Jonathan Haskell from the Bank of England, though. Uh, he uh, was talking to some students at the University of Warwick today, and he talked about this spanking brand new framework, the Bernanke Blanchard framework that they're using, which basically is looking at the wage spiral, second round effects, and when inflation starts to fall, you know, people then start to catch up on the wage differential from before when inflation struck, which is why the delay. So he says the market's got it all wrong in terms of expecting cuts early next year or indeed at all next year. And in any case, the market was the labour market was tight going into the pandemic. That's why the response has been so great. And even if there hadn't been a pandemic, then they likely would have been pushing up interest rates anyway. So it's going to take longer, he says. And basically, yes, did say the market's got it wrong. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, speech. And I think if you look at the UK and just given how high wages growth is there, then that argument does tend to play towards that point of view. Um, Two comments, though, really is although the labour market might have been tight prior to the pandemic, you didn't see too much in the way of of inflation. And inflation is Mm. starting to ease in many places of the world. So it still remains to be seen whether that inflation will re-accelerate at at a point in time. Um, And then... The degree to which um, firms are able to pass on higher wage demands is going to be quite crucial here. And we did get those anecdotes out of Walmart in the US a couple of weeks back, just saying they're finding consumers are pushing back on the level of price increases and that they could be in a prospect of De, uh, deflation for some of their consumer goods. So I think the at least the profit reporting results does tend to suggest that activity is slowing uh, in the US and that should limit the ability of firms to pass on higher costs as well. So big. So we've got a big day today. We've got Australia's monthly CPI. Then half an hour after that, we've got the RBNZ making their decision. One of those numbers is going to come down. The other one's going to stay where it is. Guess which is which? Yeah, I think the monthly CPI indicator for Australia is going to be really interesting. And the consensus there looks for a fall back to 5.2% year on year from 5.6% year on year. And that's also what our expectation is. Uh, Just a big caveat on the monthly inflation indicator, especially for the first month, it's heavily goods orientated. So there's always a possibility you get greater disinflation occurring on the goods side of the economy, but you don't really get an update on the read on domestic inflation repressions, which is the most concerning for the RBA. So you could get a softer than expected print, but I don't think it really feeds into any different narrative for us. And we think uh, the result of 5.2% year-on-year would be broadly consistent with the RBA's November SOMP forecast for Q4 underlying inflation of around 1% Q-on-Q and 4.5% year-on-year. I think really for the RBA, they're going to have to wait until the full quarter CPI on 31 
January ahead of the uh, RBA 6 February meeting there. And the RBNZ uh, on hold today. That, that goes without saying, doesn't oh, it? Definitely. And because of that, more focus is really going to be on what does the monetary policy statement say about the likely pace of cuts in 2024 and to what extent the RBNZ pushes back on that because they don't want to see a premature easing of financial conditions there. So they do um, publish an OCR track. And so we'll be looking at that quite, quite closely. And there is some chance that OCR track is a little bit lower, a smidgen lower than it was um, in the prior MPS. Um, but the risk, I guess, really is that the RBZ does come across maybe a little bit firmer than what market pricing is, is kind of suggesting in the way of cuts. And uh, inflation for the Eurozone. Well, we get the whole Eurozone number tomorrow, don't we? But we get uh, the German number and Spain and Belgium as well today, uh, plus the Eurozone's confidence numbers. And actually, we had uh, in a, a day in advance, we had German consumer confidence yesterday, which was up a little, but still well down, minus 27.8 instead of minus 28.3. It's all a question of perspective, isn't it? And uh, consumer confidence was also up a, uh, up a little in France. Uh, but yeah, those CPI numbers today and tomorrow are going to be important for Europe. Oh, very, very important. And along with the German CPI, we get numbers for Spain and, and Belgium. So you get a pretty good guide to what the wider Eurozone measure will print the, uh, t- tomorrow. Um, and the big story out of the Eurozone has been over the past couple of months, a very large deceleration in the pace of core inflation, almost to the same extent that you're seeing in the US as well. Um, so that has got markets thinking that the Europeans will cut rates relatively aggressively in 2020. 2024 by about a 90 to 100 basis points. Um, so if that does does continue, then that theme would 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 continue as well. And actually, talking about consumer confidence, because we got it for the conference board in the US as well. It seems like consumer confidence everywhere just about is starting to tick up, even if conditions are worsening. People are thinking, well, inflation is going to come down. Things are going to get better, and that was pretty much the story, wasn't it, in the uh, conference board consumer confidence read? Yes, and I think it goes to show you what has actually been driving consumer confidence down. When you look at the detailed survey data across most countries, it's actually too high inflation and not mm. necessarily the level of rates. So as inflation comes down, um, then you could actually get consumer confidence lifting. And that could potentially be a bit of a uh, tailwind for activity uh, given it's been impacted by a higher rate environment. Well, that'd be music to central bankers' ears. They'll be going, see, that's precisely what we've been trying to do. So all those inflation numbers, uh, the Fed base book as well, uh, we get uh, oil inventories as well for the for the US as well, um, ahead of the OPEC meeting, of course. I'll just mention that because uh, oil has seen quite a bit of movement. There's this online meeting with OPEC Plus is on Thursday. It's sounding like they're not going to reach a resolution, that it's going to be a compromise deal. But the compromise could be just rolling over the existing cuts for longer rather than deepening the the cuts. So uh, either way, less oil seems to be what we're going to be facing. Uh, yes, and uh, I think uh, Saudi Arabia will have to take the uh, majority of those cuts there, given what other members are apparently doing but we'll just have to wait for thursday um to, to see what the results are see what that brings absolutely very good to talk anyway tapas we'll catch you again soon thanks cheers cheers thanks phil so inflation numbers start here for the rest of the week that's it for the morning call for today i'm phil dobby for now back again tomorrow morning see you then